Welcome to the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. To learn more about Salem Alliance, including house churches, gathering times, and other resources, visit us online at salemalliance.org. Today's talk is given by Jennifer Roth. Good morning, church. Isn't it good to hear the stories of our fellow travelers on this road? I appreciate Mark being willing to share that testimony. My name is Jennifer. I'm one of the pastors here. It is a pleasure to be here with you this morning. I hope some of you have had a chance to enjoy the spring break that some of us have been on. I want to start us this morning with prayer, with an exercise that Rob Basham introduced last week. So if you're willing, would you just join me in putting your palms up for a moment? I'm going to lead us in a prayer that we engage with with our body as well here. So Lord, as we come before you now... Uh, We hold our palms up, and God, in this, we think about all the things that we've been holding this week. We think about our worries and our fears, our financial issues, our job struggles, our health struggles. Perhaps for some of us, it's grief. We think of our world and what we've been carrying, even by reading the news, Lord. Some of us have seen already this morning that there was just a tragic accident here in Salem involving a car and some of the homeless camp, God. God, we carry the weight of the world and what's happening in Ukraine from those of us who read it on the news to those who have loved ones in Ukraine. God, these things we carry, we hold, they are a weight. Some of it is joy, our expectations, our hopes, what we're looking forward to and celebrating. And all that we hold, Lord, we turn over to you. And so we turn our hands over with our palms down and and we just, we, we commit to you, God, that we give this all to you. We acknowledge that you are God and we are not, that you alone can carry the weight of the world and you didn't call us to carry it. And so as we enter this place and this time today, Lord, our palms down represent our lives submitted to you, recognizing that you want to carry these weights and these joys. And so we release them to you now. And as we turn our palms back up, God, we invite you to continue to fill us. You've already begun through worship, through testimony, through the, the, the declaration of what we believe you've been filling us, would you continue to be present with us now, Lord, and fill us with your spirit and through the teaching of your word. We wait on you today, Lord. We need you. And we thank you for being present with us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Welcome also to those of you who are joining us on live stream. Glad that you're joining us this way this morning. We have been in a series where we started it last week called The Road. If you didn't get one last week, you might want a travel journal. They're available on the back tables. You could also just put some notes in your phone if you're not a paper and pencil kind of a person. But the goal behind this travel journal is that by the end of this series, you will have some anchors of what God has been speaking to you about being on the road with him. Last week, Rob launched us with the story of the transfiguration on Mount Hermon, and he gave us a few questions to consider. So some of you might have been pondering this week your own mountaintop experiences. And if there are some things in your life that you need to do to make room for those moments in God's presence where he can truly transform who you are. Today, I'm going to be giving you three more questions to add to the travel journal as we look at the story of Bartimaeus, which can be found in Mark chapter 10. Let's look first, though, at the map at where we are now on the road, because we've been traveling on the road with Jesus, who last week we talked about transfiguration up in the far north corner at Mount Hermon, and this week we're down in Jericho, so he's getting quite a bit closer to Jerusalem on this road toward Jerusalem, toward what we know will be his crucifixion and his resurrection, and this series will take us through the ascension as 
as well. I wanted to put it in modern day terms. So here is Jericho to Jerusalem on Google Maps. They might have had a more direct route back then, but if you were to drive it today, it would take you about 40, kilometer, 40 kilometers, 45 minutes. So they're getting pretty close to Jerusalem now. Here's a picture of what modern day Jerusalem looks like. Big city out in the desert. And still modern day Jerusalem, but you can see some of the excavation of ancient, not Jerusalem, excuse me, Jericho. You can see some of the excavation of ancient Jericho with some of the walls exposed there. And then if you look at this next one, I found this one so fascinating. This is an aerial view of the footprint of ancient Jericho. You can see some areas in there where they have done some excavation, but the thing that caught my attention is I can actually picture for the first time what the ancient Israelites were doing as they marched around Jericho for those walls to come down when Joshua and the nation of Israel marched around Jericho. So this ancient, full of history city is where we find Bartimaeus. Jesus and his disciples have been on the road. Bartimaeus is by the side of the road. And before we read the passage, I wanna just set up why are people heading to Jerusalem? The reason that they're on the road to Jerusalem is because Passover is coming. And it was tradition for the Jewish nation to go to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover together. And especially for any Jewish male over the age of 13, he was required to go unless he was unable to go. And this is where we catch up with Bartimaeus because he is blind and he is unable to go. And so with others, he is lining the streets to cheer on the pilgrims as they go to Jerusalem. Uh, I've invited Titus to come back up. If you didn't catch this the first time around, Titus is my son, and he's going to read the passage for us today. Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him, but he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man, cheer up, they said, come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. Thank you, Titus. I love this story, you guys. It's one of my favorite in the Bible. Bartimaeus starts by the side of the road, unable to go with them to Jerusalem, and he finishes on the road with Jesus to celebrate Passover in Jerusalem, following Jesus. It's reminiscent of when Jesus said to James and John and Peter when they were fishing, come and follow me, and they left everything they had and they followed him. Bartimaeus left everything he knew and he followed Jesus. The first question I want to ask us today is, where do you find yourself in this story? Because I find that sometimes it's helpful when reading narrative stories of the Bible for us to kind of put ourselves in the story and consider, who do we relate to in this story? So for some of you, that might be the disciples. You followed Jesus for a long time, you know what's coming, and you're just eager to let this crowd see the love and the compassion that you healing that you know that your Lord, your rabbi has. Some of you are a little bit more like the crowd, and I've been in that place too at times, embarrassed by the need of others, 
Awkward when somebody cries out in a way that draws attention to themselves. Shushing and going, oh, no. It's kind of hard when somebody's expressing that deep of a need in that loud of a voice. And yet, as soon as someone in authority says, no, tell him to come here, the crowd flips and says, oh, cheer up. Come on. We're, we're so swayed by what we think other people are going to think about how this, how this feels and our own awkwardness that gets in the way. Some of us might even relate to Jesus in this story, and not many of us would say out loud, oh yeah, I'm like Jesus, but how many of you like me have had seasons of life where, really, we walked with the God complex, thinking that it was our job to save and rescue and fix for everyone, that we were overly responsible for the world around us. And still some of us might be like Bartimaeus, on the roadside of our own life, blind and crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Friends, I want to say this morning that over the course of my life, I I probably could put myself with any character in this story. But as I've been preparing this sermon, I have not been preparing as an academic from outside this story to bring you some lesson. The honest truth about the preparation and where I meet you this morning in this place of worship is that I am the blind beggar. I am on the side of the road with Bartimaeus and I may be able to see you physically, but there are things in my life that I can't see right now and I don't know how to change. Just as Bartimaeus was absolutely powerless to change his own blindness, I have found myself absolutely powerless to change some things in my life that are hurting me and that are hurting others. And I am on a journey there and that journey has kind of come to a head this last week and never have I felt more like the blind beggar than trying to prepare to tell you about the blind beggar. So I don't come to you today from a place of a lot of wisdom and understanding, but I do come to you from a place today of being captivated by this story and what it took for Bartimaeus to move from being by the roadside, unable to follow Jesus, to being on the road with Jesus to Jerusalem. And how did that transformation happen? I think there are three things that we see that Bartimaeus participated in as Jesus brought his healing that we see happen that moved him from the roadside to on the road. The first one is this. Bartimaeus had dauntless determination that was born out of his belief and his desperation. He had dauntless determination that was born out of his belief and his desperation because here's what I think. I believe that Bartimaeus down in Jericho had heard the stories. He had heard the stories of a man whose name was Jesus, who was teaching people amazing truths, who was fulfilling the prophecies of the Old Testament, who was feeding people with miraculous food, and not only was he teaching amazing words, not only was he fulfilling prophecies, not only was he giving food and feeding people miraculously, but he was healing people. And he wasn't just healing people. He was healing blind people. And when he heard that Jesus was coming through Nazareth, Jericho, Jesus of Nazareth, there was nothing that would stand in his way from being heard, from doing everything within his power to be heard by Jesus. He was dauntless in his determination. It was born out of his belief. How do we know what he believed? Because of what he cried. He cried, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. What does that mean? Son of David is a messianic term. 
It's found in the prophets Isaiah and Jeremiah as they say that the Messiah for the nation of Israel is going to come from the line of David, that the righteous one, the Lord, is going to be a son of David. And so when Bartimaeus cries out, Jesus, son of David, he is making a proclamation that he believes Jesus is the Messiah. How is it that a blind man in Jericho could see Jesus more clearly than the rulers and the priests and the Pharisees of the day? How is it that he could see the truth that some of the disciples still didn't see yet? And I wonder, I wonder if it's actually because of how conscious he was of his own frailty. I wonder if it's because he was utterly aware of his own need that he was able to see Jesus more clearly than the people around him. Because friends, I wonder if we will only truly see Jesus when we honestly admit our need. The Bible tells us in John 14 and in 1 Corinthians 2 that if we don't accept Jesus, if we haven't by faith believed in him, that we can't understand him. The people who don't have the Holy Spirit of the living God can't understand the Holy Spirit of the living God. And I wonder if part of what makes us able to see the truth of who Jesus is, is that step of acknowledging our utter need and our own powerlessness. See, this cry that we hear from Bartimaeus, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, it actually reminds me of the first two steps of the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. We've got a ministry here called Life Path that's helping people for where they're stuck in their hurts and their habits and their hangups. And I joined a Life Path group about 20 years ago and learned for the first time these 12 steps that, yes, have helped so many alcoholics over the years come to freedom, but also others with addiction and compulsion and also others who just want to know how to walk in a a spiritual way because the first two steps are this. The first one is that we admit that we're powerless over and you can fill in the blank. An alcoholic might say, I'm powerless over alcohol and my life has become unmanageable. A codependent might say, I'm powerless over my attempts to control other people and my life has become unmanageable. I might say, I am powerless over my anxiety and my attempts to control other people and my life has become unmanageable. And then the second step says that we have come to believe that a power greater than ourselves In Alcoholics Anonymous, they might say a higher power, and I would tell you today that my higher power is Jesus Christ. And so I would say, I have come to believe that Jesus can restore me to sanity. See, this is what Bartimaeus is saying. Jesus, son of David, you are the Messiah, you are the healer, you are the strong one, you are the truth, you can do the thing that I need done, and so I admit my powerlessness to you. Have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. That prayer. Have you ever had those times in your life when you don't even know what to ask him for? And all that can come out is have mercy. God, have mercy. I wonder if he knows what to do when we don't know what to pray. You guys, I'm a problem solver. I like to do puzzles. I, uh, over Christmas break, I figured out how to solve all sorts of Rubik's cubes. I like, I like figuring things out. But I've got this interaction with God that I I recognize that I do. And when I recognize it, I, I, I try to shift gears again. But here's what I've done for my whole life. I think that I have to figure out what to ask him for so that he knows how to do his job in my life. <laughs> I have to know what to pray so that Jesus knows what to do. 
And can I just tell you that that's false? <laughs> you don't have to know what to pray so that Jesus knows what to do. You just have to be dauntlessly determined out of your belief in him and your desperation to cry out and to say, have mercy. Have mercy. So the first thing for our travel journal today, this first question that I would ask you to consider maybe this morning, but maybe even throughout this week, inviting Holy Spirit to give you some insight on this would be what stops me from admitting my desperate need? What stops me from actually admitting my desperate need? Mark mentioned in his testimony that a theme of his life has been recognizing his need. Maybe the thing that stops us from admitting our need is that we haven't yet recognized us, recognized it. Maybe we're still so stuck in the drive to prove that we're enough, that we're strong enough, that we're smart enough, that, boy, I've been a Christian this long, I should be able to handle this or control this. Maybe we haven't recognized yet that we're blind. We're just as blind as Bartimaeus to the need that we have within us that is impacting us. It's like a iceberg that's under the waterline. It impacts our life and it impacts others around us, but we're blind to it. To that need, we might pray, God, expose where we are blind. It might be practiced avoidance. <laughs> Needs are no fun. <laughs> they don't feel very good. And when they rise, it's easier to avoid them than to feel them and acknowledge them. And so some of us are so practiced in our avoidance of the pain that comes with need that we actually are unaware of our need because it's buried so far down. Maybe it's shame. Maybe you are very aware of your need. But in your head is a tape that plays that says, ooh, I can never let anybody else know that this is my problem, that this is what I struggle with. Maybe it is an addiction or a compulsion that you're embarrassed about. And so it keeps you from admitting that it's actually a need. No, I can, I can handle it. I'm taking care of it. I'll fix it. Maybe we're still trying to control. Maybe we're afraid of others and what they think. What is it that stops us from admitting our desperate need? See, because Bartimaeus moved from the roadside to the road by his dauntless determination that was based out of his belief in who Jesus was and his desperation of knowing what his need was. The second thing was that he was willing to throw off everything that hindered him from coming to Jesus. There's this moment in there where the crowd says, come, cheer up, he's calling to you. And it says he throws off his cloak. And it seems like an interesting thing to say as he comes to Jesus, but he throws off his cloak and he jumps up and he goes to Jesus. And there are many scholars who have tried to figure out what did this symbolize? What, what was the cloak? What, was, what is the meaning of this cloak? And so I'm coming to tell you today that I don't know what it means. <laughs> There's a lot of ideas out there. I'm not exactly sure, but here are some of the things that I wonder. I'm guessing it was shelter from the cold, that it was probably security in light of all the things that he didn't have. He had a, a cloak. And I wonder, and again, you guys, I do not know this, but I have wondered, was his cloak something that identified him in some way? Did people recognize him because of his cloak? Did his cloak identify him as being a blind man? I don't know the answer to that, but I do know this. When he went to see Jesus, he decided his cloak wasn't necessary. I don't know why. But when he jumped up, he threw off his cloak. He threw off everything that hindered in order that he could go to Jesus. Hebrews 12.1 tells us this. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and fix our eyes on Jesus. Remember what Mark was telling us in the testimony about lifting our eyes from our circumstances to look at God and see Jesus and then we'll see things from his perspective. 
When we are able to throw off the things that hinder us and the sin that entangles us, we can proceed to Jesus as we fix our eyes on him, just as Bartimaeus did. And so my second question today for you is this, that you might want to write in that travel journal or put on your phone. It is, what do I need to throw off in order to come to Jesus? What do I need to throw off in order to come to Jesus? The first question was, what keeps me from even admitting to myself that I have a need? And the second one then is, so then what is hindering me from coming to Jesus with that need? What do I need to throw off? Maybe for some of us, it's pride. We still are trying to hold up a facade that says that we can do this ourselves, that, that we can make this happen, that we can, no, 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 really, and we haven't yet come to the place of admitting that Jesus is the only one who can transform this part of our lives. Bartimaeus could do nothing to make himself not blind, and there are things in our lives that we can do nothing to change but by the power of God. And in order to do that, we need to let go of our pride We need to release our shame. Shame is a lie of the enemy, you guys. Shame keeps things in the secret, keeps things in the dark. Can I just say that being together with the body of Christ in a confession of our need has already this weekend, in the five o'clock service last night and the eight o'clock this morning, been a balm to my soul, has been cathartic and healing for me to be together with the body of Christ, releasing that sense of shame that, oh, I shouldn't let people know that I'm weak. Friends, it says that it is our weakness that he has made us strong. Because his strength is perfect in our weakness. Why do we spend so much effort trying to protect the image of having it all together and not being weak? Maybe it's confusion. Things are so turned upside down that you're not sure which way is the way to Jesus. Maybe it's actually lethargy and apathy. It's just been easier to not care than to try to care. I don't know what you need to throw off in order to come to Jesus, but I know that the pathway for Bartimaeus to get from the roadside to on the road was through a journey of throwing off the things that would hinder him from coming to Jesus. And then finally, we see that Bartimaeus courageously names his need. It's fascinating to me that Jesus asks this question. Here's a blind man who's crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The crowd parts, the man comes, he's in front of Jesus, and Jesus asks this question. Was it not obvious that he was blind? Was it not apparent that he probably wanted to see? Why did Jesus look at him and say, what do you want me to do for you? And I think it's this, because Jesus invites us to participate in what he wants to do in our lives. And Jesus invites us to name specifically what it is that we want him to do for us. All throughout scripture, God invites us to ask him for what we need. In Matthew 7, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, it says, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Here's the mystery of doing life with Jesus. We can't make these things happen, but God invites us to participate in what is going to happen. He invites us to have a posture of willingness, a posture of action, a posture of decision, a posture of movement. He asked him to name his need. And Bartimaeus courageously named that need. Why do I call it courageous to simply tell Jesus, I want to see? Well, here's why that's courageous. Because naming our need makes us vulnerable. 
It makes us vulnerable to the people around us. It makes us vulnerable to the God that we're talking to. And it puts down the walls of self-protection that we've built up because you see, hope can be scary. Because if we allow ourselves to hope that something could change, then we could be hurt if it doesn't change. Then we could be disappointed again. And so it takes courage to come to Jesus with a seed of hope and say, this is what I want. It was an audacious ask, you guys. I want to see. And yet he courageously named his need in front of God and everyone. Literally, he was at the gates of his own city in front of God and everyone. He courageously named his need. Philippians 4, 6 is the one that we know of that says, don't worry about anything, but in everything, bring your request to God. With thanksgiving, let God know what you need. Friends, this is the journey that we're invited into. With gratitude for what God has already done in our lives, he invites us to ask him for what we need and what we want in our life. And so I want to ask us our third question today. And I ask this one from the perspective of Jesus talking to Bartimaeus and Jesus talking to us. He says, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? Friends, what need have you been afraid to name? What desire have you been afraid to hope for? What transformation do you need in your life that you've been ashamed to admit? What's been holding you back, keeping you from letting your desperation show, keeping you from coming to Jesus, from participating in the healing that he wants to bring? See, Jesus is there. The one that we've heard the stories about, the one that taught the truth, the one who fulfilled the prophecies, the one who is the risen son of God. The one who fed people miraculously and provides for our needs has provided for your needs. The one who heals and not just heals lame people and blind people, but heals the thing that you need healed in your life today. He's here. Thanks for listening to the Salem Alliance podcast. We hope you have been challenged and inspired. Salem Alliance is a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. To experience other messages and discover more about who we are, please visit SalemAlliance.org or download the Salem Alliance app. And again, thanks for listening.